Hello and welcome along to episode 5 of Pod 67. My name is Ryan Gallagher and as always I'm joined by the boys, Mr Scott Sutherland. How you doing Scott? Hi, I'm good man. How are you? Yeah, not bad, not bad. And Tony Doyle, you alright mate? What's that, that mate? How's things? Not bad. So we are, we're a week removed now from the, or just, just under a week removed from Celtic against Ferenvaros. We, we've taken the time to, to mull over. We normally would have done this directly after the, the European game, but to be completely honest, we were absolutely livid. So I had to go, go in back and, and edit out your two predictions for last week. Did you edit that out of the last podcast? No, Did but I might. I might though. I might. But see, to be fair, but right, we'll go on it. We'll go on it. I'm going to explain why why we're so late with us. I would normally say, "Oh, I'll be moving house," and I'll use that excuse. I can't. I was just. I couldn't even speak about it until the day. I couldn't even bring myself to talk about this game until the day because I thought if I talk about it any earlier than today, I'm going to lose the rag. I'm going to absolutely fly for something. Getting jail, basically. Aye, pretty much. I'd be, I'd be getting the jail the night. So aye, it's Tuesday just now. This will be out on Wednesday. So it'll be a full week from uh, Celtic Fenerbahce, uh, second round qualifier for the Champions League. Celtic are it, boys. Um, Scott, we've got so much to talk about, but we'll talk about the team selection right away. You know, it was it was dreadful, and the fact we had no strikers on the pitch. What was he thinking? Oh, the total butt flies with Neil Lennon for this. It was what we all feared. If you remember after the Scottish Cup final against Hearts, and even though we just won a treble treble and we appointed him in the showers and everyone that day was raging. And this is the reason why, thinking on a year later, he's so out of his depth at this at this level. Uh, this isn't the first time this has happened. The fact is, I am angry, but I'm, I'm just kind of disappointed now because I'm used to it. Because... Three, three different games we've played now, Kluge, Copenhagen, Ferenc Varos. Three times he's got his team selection totally wrong and it's not just saying it with hindsight, it was obvious he got it wrong uh, before the game. He did this, He did it in Kluge when he played McGregor left-back, he did it Copenhagen, he played Ayer at right-back and then this one tops off the lot, just refusing to play a striker, just totally ridiculous. Uh, he's talked about Kamala, and Ayeti not being match fit. Well, we had ample opportunities in the game the week before to, to play these two guys. Uh, could have put them on when we were beating Hamilton and Reykjavik. Or we could, we could have, Buck could also lie with Lawwell. We could have signed a Jetty four weeks earlier and got him up to match speed, but we didn't. So, yeah, totally raging. He's saying, Tony, about Kamala and Ayer on the bench, right? We, we, we didn't have a recognised striker on the pitch going into a, a qualifier you know we can talk about Eddie being injured um, that can happen early in the season guys can pick up wee niggles but see when you've got two players on the bench you spent quite a bit of money on you know a, a Yeti for what was it 5 million Kamala was 3 million and they're both sitting on the bench and you start Ryan Christie up top in this game What you know what was your take on that? Well, straight away, if you're playing Ryan Christie up top, it's not his natural game. He's not going to pull defenders back. He's not going to sit on the last man and give a defence something to think about. He drops deep or every single time. But since he's in Kamala in January for three and a half million, he's played 150 minutes of football since then. If he doesn't trust him against playing against uh, Ferenbarosh, what was the fucking point of saying this guy? He can't get a game against Mother at the start. So, do we get a chance like group stages and then go, right, we're playing PSG this week, mate. Kamala, you're up. Eddie can't make it. He's not good enough to qualify, so why the fuck have I wasted our time on this guy? Every year, end of the season, we always go to chance of qualifiers weaker than we finish the start of the season. End of the season, sorry. We're going to talk about the, the Motherwell game later on because he got a full he got a full second half in the Motherwell game and we'll talk about that mm-hmm. later on. But what we can touch on is... One of the points we all make in that Motherwell game is he made a difference when he came on. Just having that having that striker up there, somebody who's a natural striker that knows how to play. You know, I, I watched the the watch the highlights of this, um, and they were talking about it in detail, and they were saying about you know the, the kind of empty spaces. Um, I think Scott, you actually said it as well in the in the chat. You said we're looking for a target man, or we're putting balls into a target man with no target man there in the box. Like that's what happens. Aye. Go and play a striker. Aye, we were crossing in for nobody to be there, and when Kamala came on against Motherwell, we'll talk about it later on. But we just it's not rocket science, just having a striker there made a difference. As Tony says, it's not Ryan Christie's game to play like that. And it's just it's really frustrating. Like 
we always talk about January transfer window, as Tony says, being a big moment for us in terms of preparing for these qualifiers. We know we've got them every year, even this. This year we actually had the added bonus that uh, it was later in the season, so we had more time to plan for this. Ayeti wasn't signed early enough. Even even still when he was signed, if he's not fit enough to play 60 minutes, that's quite worrying in itself. But yeah, Kamala, you've got to be question, he's got to be questioning his own future. That if he's not deemed good enough to start in a game like that, it's Tony says 150 minutes. Sorrow, he's not even played a minute. So that January transfer window looks like a total shambolic mess from us. But you're saying that about it being a, a shambolic mess up that window, Tony. Like was it though? Because Klamala is actually good enough. He is good enough to play in that game. That was a management decision not to play him. But like we know fine well that if Kamala played that game, that goes totally different. So I, I think it's quite harsh when people are writing Kamala off and going, oh, manager doesn't see anything in him, blah, blah, blah. Nothing to do with that. That was just the manager getting it wrong, thinking he was going to be a tactical genius and do something a wee bit different, play Christie either up top his cell or like a false nine with a two at either side. I don't know what he was really thinking of doing, but it didn't pay off for him, but I don't think that's that's a Klamala problem. I think he disagree. I think if Neil Lennon can't trust Klamala come on, we are losing to one in a chance of qualifier, and his next decision is to put Chris Julian on up top with Ayeti for the last five minutes. I think you need to see as a question why that guy's wasting his space on the bench. But you're saying that though, like, would see if you were the manager at that point earlier in that game, would you have put Kamala on up top? And, and so, and and base this on, or you can base it on what you've seen from Motherwell as well. Him coming on, so mm-hmm. if you bring him onto the game, you don't, you can't then write him off and say, "Oh, manager doesn't see it, and he wouldn't have made a difference in the game if Neil Lennon doesn't trust him." We know he could have done a better job if he actually got on the park, but Lennon refused <laughs> to put him on. But we'll never know because he decided to go with a rubbish formation rather than putting two strikers up top in a game you're trying to win. I definitely think if we started that game with a team that finished against Motherwell, it would have been a different outcome. Purely because of the fact that we had strikers at the top of the park, it would have gave your defenders something to worry about. But I left that game thinking, like, I don't know if Fred and Barrow's defenders are actually any good. We never fucking tested them once. All the shots in possession we had, we didn't do fucking much with it. The total blame for this, I think you have got a point there, Ryan, that the total blame for this, it's, it lies with Neil Lennon, and people might say that we've maybe been too negative, but we haven't started this season anywhere good enough. I think the first 35 minutes of the game, we looked caught cold as if we didn't really know how they were going to play. They played, they played a 3-4-3, three, three. they had the three men up in us, and it looked as if we took 35 minutes to figure out, right, this is how this team plays. And then we kind of grew into the game, and I thought the second half we played a bit better, but it shouldn't take us... 35 minutes to figure out how a team plays we should be doing our homework in these teams and that's just not I just don't see a professional club at Celtic looked at the ball and goalie stuff when he left and I said I think we all said at the time why did they have two days off coming back now looking at that two weeks later two days off that they had for that waste so they gave gave players two days off and then trying to say before the game that Ayeti and Klamala are not match fit well you gave the players two days off just two weeks ago so what's that all about so that's us. We've dropped out of the the Champions League. Then we'll we'll talk about some of the players as well. But you were saying, Scott, that's a few times now that Lennon's made these kind of decisions in terms of team team selection, and it's cost us massively in terms of you know money and you know kind of progressing a bit further in the tournament. This is the earliest we've left the Champions League, or the earliest we've dropped out of the Champions League in however many years they they were saying, like. That's not good enough at all. And I know I, I said, I think, in the very first podcast we've done that um, I'm not that bothered about Europe and, and blah, blah, blah. It's all about the 10 for me and that's fine. And I'm kind of, I'm still in that camp a little bit where the 10 is what, what it is for me, right? But I'd much rather we just done a, a decent kind of run in Europe and see if we could put it by a better team, fine. But it's the embarrassment of, of getting put out by a team like Fenerbahce that we shouldn't be getting beat by. It's the, the embarrassment of getting knocked out of Champions League at the earliest point we've been in however many years. And for me, that is, that's criminal for a team like Celtic. Oh, totally. Like, Celtic fans are, like, they are demanding, but we're realistic as well. Like, when we went out to Europe to teams like Valencia and, like, Zenit and Petersburg, you were disappointed, but you accepted it. You thought, right, these clubs have just got more money in us. That's just the way... It is in European football now, but this is teams 
that we have 20 times the size of the budget and it just keeps happening time and time again. That's two se- only two seasons out of the last seven that we've made the Champions League group stages and the times we've went out, we've went out to teams that are absolutely crap. Like, let's be honest, like, no higher than basically, but probably a level just above Aberdeen, I would say, in terms of their quality. And Ronnie Dyler, he was hounded out for losing similar types of games to this. Lennon seems to be getting backed by his pals in the media and saying it's all the players' fault. But me, it comes down to the management. Like, we just seem so amateur. Talked about the two days off. I was watching that Spurs documentary last night with Mourinho and all that. And just the fact that they do loads of video analysis and stuff. Like, do you think we even watched this team before we played them? Because it didn't look like that to me. Doubt it. Nah, not a chance. Tony, how many more chances do you reckon that, that Lennon's got? It's obviously, we've got one out this year and they said that's fine, but do you reckon if we get put out of the Europa League, he'll get the sack? And just, I'm, I'm not saying I or not to that, I'm just, I'm just kind of putting it out there in terms of progression. If we, we've now got more games that we need to play in Europa League than we, we kind of had the last couple of years as well. Um, you know, we'll be a, a third round qualifier and then a playoff as well. To, to get through it. If we get beaten any of these, is he gone? And that's your call for ourselves. Um, there's definitely grounds for that conversation to happen. That is the case. But to take it back to what Scott was saying about uh, previous failures and all after the first college game, he said he'd learned from this mistake of pushing the defence up the park and chasing a goal. But he didn't seem to learn from it the other night or last week. Against Copenhagen, it was the same thing, and includes again in the group. It's the same old, just gun hole. Fuck it, John Kennedy can take the team. I'll just sit on the bench and just pump my fist and just start shouting the ball. It, it's not. I can handle getting beat, but it's a sheer fact that these teams come to Parkhead and they just look way better drilled. They're coached and they know exactly what the game plan is every single time. Like when Cluj came, we expected to just walk over Cluj. They came in a game plan, they stuck to it, and they got a lot of rewards. But again, we are crashed out of the fucking Champions League because we're just fucking going home every two seconds and don't learn for a simple mistake. Scott, we're talking about um, kind of individual players, and you, we can criticise everybody in this game, right? But I've pinpointed a few that we really need to talk about. Um, first up, main one for me, Greg Taylor. We can we talk about Ayer first? What do you want to say about Ayer? The fucking goal. Let's start with six minutes and the clock and then it'll work to Greg Taylor. Aye, the, the, goal was, the goal was absolutely dreadful, wasn't it? Like, well, Taylor was massively out of position as well, but the fact Ayers so fucking calm at just jogging back at his position to get the ball back is ridiculous. I mean, this is the person that's been dropped the past two games and then after the game you've seen Neil Lennon's comments about if you don't want to be here, you can just fuck off, basically. I think that's aimed at Ayers. Because you can see from that goal, it was not bust his fucking ass one bit. We have seen Scott and me the the Ayer's been linked with a, a move away after this game. It came out that Ayer and then Cham's agents have apparently asked for valuations of it. Do you reckon that's who Lennon was kind of aiming this at? Well, Lennon's created a can of worms for the fact they came out and said that 15 minutes after the game. I know we want emotion in that, we want people to say what he thinks, but he started off a, off rumours now, so the fact is nobody really knows what players he's talking about, and that's caused an issue. And then two or three days later, he's backtracking. On the first mm-hmm. goal, yeah, Ayer is to blame. He needs to get out to the ball quick enough. I'm on his saying before that I'm a big fan of Ayer and I thought he showed that uh, even mm-hmm. in the game against Ferenc Suarez, he's absolutely brilliant on the ball. And it was the same against Motherwell. He really creates it. But there's a lot of questions about him defensively. We were making the last 16 in the Champions League when we had Gary Caldwell and Stephen McManus at the back. Could you ever imagine us making the last 16 with Chris Ayer at the back? Like, there's a real question mark about him. Uh, defensively, especially in Europe. It's a sad day you missed Gary Caldwell at the back. <laughs> 50p he'd man. Uh, listen, at least the 50p he'd what? It's a big 50p man, know what I mean? Aye, All those special that's... edition coins, it's fucking huge. <laughs> For me, I, I agree with you, Scott. I'm a big fan of you. I think he's... My, my problem with him over the years is he's, he's a midfielder playing defence. And that's, that's the thing for me. And I don't think it's like... You know, we, we compare... Or if we are to compare him to, to Beaton, who's a midfielder who fills in defence, I think Beaton's a more calm all-round player than what Ayer is, and I don't think it's working for him. On the whole, dropping back into uh, defence when he's playing higher calibre teams, you know, we can see him playing Scotland against your Justin Johnson, your Hibs and Aberdeen, etc. You know, 
that's fine. You know, it, it can get away with that in Scotland. Mm. But even when you go to these teams as well, like uh, Fenerbahce, I wouldn't particularly say were that great a team, but they were, like you say, Scott. They're probably the next level up for Aberdeen. But that just shows that kind of next few level that we go. Somebody like Ayer, just he's no. For me, he's not he lacks a lot. Of, he lacks concentration for me quite a lot. Like he seems to kind of doze off in games, and at times I see Julian like going off his head at Ayer. Even you seen that at the goal, like Julian seems to have to talk him through a lot of games, and he is still young, but he's 22, 23 now. But there has to be a point where he has to kind of mature within his own game. I do really like him. I think he's. I'm on record as saying I would keep him because I think. This season is going to be all about the 10 and Ayers absolutely brilliant for us at unlocking those defences because we are going to dominate the ball in 90%. Basically, basically every game that we play in Scotland, we are going to dominate the ball and he's really good at that. But defensively, there is a lot of question marks about him. Maybe Shane Duffy coming in will help that as part of a three. But yeah, it doesn't make sense, as Tony says, for him to be dropped for the two previous games. I thought Beaton did all right. And then to bring him back in. All them jokes we made before, boys, about Beaton playing at centre-half in European qualifiers. Fucking could have been damn weird with this one. Um, right, we'll move on to the one I wanted to slaughter in, Greg Taylor. Um, we, we've spoken about <sighs> the last couple of, couple of shows um, about his performances. This one, for me, just sealed it. He's not he's not a Celtic player, is he? Greg Taylor, Tony? I'm sick of having this guy's name in my mouth. He's honestly fucking pathetic. Every fucking week, I just feel like I'm breathing down his neck. He must ask, that must be what's holding him back. Carrying my 13 stone arse, ready to jump on him. I, I can't stand him. He's fuck, He's a Kamala player and I still hooked up. That's the problem, Scott, and it is. He is, Tony, you put it the best way I possibly could. He's a Kamala player in a Celtic jersey. He's not He's not the level of player that we need, particularly going for European qualifiers. When you need somebody who can change a game for you, you know, if you're playing left back or wing back, let's, let's compare it with Tierney. Look what Tierney done. Tierney was bombing up and down the wing. He could get past folk. He could put a ball in the box. Greg Taylor doesn't seem to have any of that. And that's what you're looking for when, um, when you play um, in these games. One of the biggest downgrades of all time, that, like going from Tierney to Taylor, like, I hate getting, like Tony, I hate getting the guys back because you can tell he's trying, but he's just, he's playing simple, not good enough. He's playing it safe every time. Anytime he gets the ball, he kind of stands, stops, just looks back, plays it inside, just plays a simple pass. You never, ever see him try and beat a man. Like, compare him to Fringpong. Fringpong was only in the park for five minutes and compare his performance to Greg like, he never beats a man. Anytime he gets the ball, he cross it in. I don't even think he's looking when he goes to cross it. It's just a hit and hope. It's just, like, really, really amateur stuff. And even when he were going 3-5-2 and James Forrest, of all people, has been put in at left wing back in the stadium, that tells you all you need to know. Like, we need a left back big time. Who would you rally your team as a fullback? Chad Dury or Greg Taylor? Yeah, Chad Dury. He's made it a laugh. Aye. Aye. Greg Taylor doesn't score as many own goals. I mean, it was a go, but... It was a peachy goal, to be fair. Switching, switching wings then, Neil Lennon style, switching the wings. Uh, El Hamid, we've been shouting for El Hamid for weeks on, on this podcast. Um, didn't have his best game, though, Tony, did he, in this one? Oh, it, was, it was definitely the cost of the commentator. Um, I'm a big fan of El Hamid. Um, he's brilliant, I think he's solid. He's been a fantastic player for us, but in this game, I, I don't know what he was thinking. Um, for the first goal, he is responsible for the corner. He should deal with that better and not concede the corner. But do we want to talk about a second goal there? Or? Well, aye, let's talk about a second goal, Scott, because... I, the I can't grasp talk this, but I'm getting pure pissed off just talking this. But listen, we need to talk PTSD. about PTSD. What, what was he thinking, Scott, with the defending for that second goal? I think the problem came was that he was on a booking. So if you remember, Scott Brown took a pure horrendous touch, put him in trouble, wiped the guy out in the first half. So he was on that booking yellow card. I think in his head, he's thinking, I can't tackle this guy or I'm going to get sent off. Mm. At that point, you just take him out. You go for it. You try and take him out and just try and get rid of the ball. Like, I don't it's know. even that, Scott. Like, before that, he lets the ball come across him. Then yeah. the player gets it. And he has a chance to take the ball then. He gets a toy it, fucks it. And he still has a chance to slide in and get the ball cleanly, but he just doesn't do it. I don't understand. It doesn't even show him outside, he just lets him turn him. It's fucking shambolic. He, uh, he is totally to blame. Like, if imagine if Fringpong was in that position, he would, he would have got back yeah. rapid and probably started an attack for us. Mm. But he is to blame. But 
Can we talk about Barkas for that goal, though? Because as much as El Hamid was at fault, and I've not seen actually a lot of criticism for, for Barkas on this one, but see, see in hindsight, are you expecting your goal to do a lot better there with something you know near post, you know a slight angle? Surely you should be doing better than that, Tony. I think you're expecting Barkas to do better there, but if the shoe was on the other foot and it was Eddie doing that, you'd think, oh, he's got to score this year. But it's tough. The keeper's got to come in and make himself big. Go big Schmeichel on this and spread eagle and try just get a, bit, a foot to the ball. But unfortunately, goes for his legs. Mm. But uh, you are expecting the keeper to do better. And I dare say it, but if it was Fraser Foster, he would have saved it. But unfortunately, Fraser Foster's not a Celtic player, so he wouldn't have fucking saved it. It's quite early to judge Barkas, I think. Like, I think I, if you're maybe looking at the goal, he, he should have done better. But it is, I'm, I'm trying not to get his back too early because it is quite early to judge. But I think there is a, I think you're noticing a wee drop off in terms of thought between Foster. Just in the height of them and the goals, like, it just looks so much more commanding. And I'm also starting to really think Neil Lennon in Europe is absolutely nothing without Fraser Foster. He had his good running, we had a run obviously the last 16, 2012. 13 season with Foster we all know about it was absolutely unbelievable the games against Barcelona last season we get through those group stage eh, quite convincingly we we done brilliantly against Lazio but that was again relying on top class goalkeeping and Foster you need, we need a top class goalkeeper to compete in Europe I think we struggled the years we had Craig Gordon he basically couldn't save a shot again I don't want to try and get on Barca's back because it's very very early doors but having a top class keeper is huge for us to compete at that level and I, I don't think the club would cover themselves in glory. If anyone gets uh, casting a wee doubt on Barkas, if he's up to it, to be honest there, I think a lot of people I'm talking to now have a slight doubt about him, and it's kind of a worry going forward that this is what we're expecting from him. Well, this is a guy, this is our, our, number, one, our number one pick. That's who we, who we wanted to get. They spent yep. a decent bit of money on him. You know, we, let's be fair, we would have wanted Foster. Everybody wanted Foster in. He doesn't mm-hmm. want to come, fine, he goes somewhere else. But I've just got that wee niggling doubt that in the back of my head. From what I've seen at Barkas, it was even, there was one that he'd done earlier on where the ball was going clearly wide. He dives to the side Aye. a bit and then fumbled it and had to then scramble across and punch it. That, that was, uh, is that not the Mullerwell game? Is that what it was? Verbal game, sorry. But aye, aye. But, you know, there's that, that's a couple of wee things that I've <laughs> seen that I'm just like, oh, not, I'm not full of confidence with you, then. There's a wee question mark definitely above him. But um, I personally said this last year. If I didn't get Fraser Foster, I went to the Copenhagen goalkeeper in. I thought that, that was a solid, noted, sensible move to the fair. That would make too much sense, Tony, to buy a guy that you've seen been really good against you. Like, we should have done aye. it. No, but we just decided to get Greg Taylor, so I brilliant scouting there. I know. Aye, exactly. It's a bad day when we can scout better than the team who are actually in charge of fucking scouting, isn't it? Um, right, we spoke about the, the lack of strikers then. Christy, up top his cell, we know, we know this didn't work, right, in, in hindsight going with the scoreline, but looking at his performance, do you think he gave enough in that, you know, that kind of forward role, Scott? I'm not going to be t- going to be too harsh on Christie because I'll give him one thing that he does special of another guy that will will come. To. Christie doesn't Christie doesn't hide in games. He doesn't hide. Always tries and gets in the ball. Tries to make things happen. Being a striker, it's not his position. It's not the position he's used to. He shouldn't have been playing there in the first place. So I'm not going to be so harsh on Christie. Uh, I think there is murmurs. I don't think he has started this season the best. There is murmurs that he's maybe thinking about trying to look for a move if the rumours are being correct that he's, he's obviously one with two years left on his deal. Uh, but in, the, in that game against Ferenc Varos, I thought he had a really good game and come on to it against Motherwell as well. So I wouldn't be so harsh on Christie's performance. He was totally playing out of position. He was at least trying to make things happen, which maybe my expectations aren't high enough, but I thought at least he was trying to make things happen. Do you think, and here's something I thought about the other night when I was kind of doing a bit of research into the game and just looking at the, the formation and stuff like that. Do you think there's ever a time where the players will see that team, right? They'll, they'll see the starting lineup and Christy will see himself up front and they sit down and go, Neil, what are you doing? Like, do you think... That, but what I mean is, do you think they actually do that or do they've got enough power to do that? Because surely to God, Christy must have been sitting there going, why is he playing me up front? 
I'm not the best up front. We've got two strikers here. Why are you not playing them in front of me and play me in my normal position, even out on the right or something like that, if that's what I'm, I've been playing recently? You know, do you think Tornado's have a, a case for players to have that kind of, be a bit more vocal in that? Well, we've seen the experiment with James Forrester up front under Rodgers. Um, it kind of worked a wee bit. It got us through against Rosenberg. But I don't know, Ryan Chris's game is all about sitting deep and coming forward, driving with the ball. It's not about trying to be the last man. So as soon as they allow him up to that change room, they must have been all fucking just like, what is going on here? What is this fucking idiot doing? You take that creative force away from Christie because she's used to be, as Tony says, the guy driving ahead, looking to play that kind of killer pass, kind of floating around about in different areas. You're taking that away from him as well. I think you just totally took away one of our best players in that scenario by putting him up front. It's the same thing with Karen McGregor against the Cluj. You take one of your creative forces and put him at left back, try to just fit anyone into the team anywhere. Like, I can take all the best players on that park and just try to squeeze them anywhere in that pitch skip suit. But the game was calling out for a striker. You could see that clearly that we needed a focal point up top that could hassle the defence and give them something to worry about. That's Neil Lennon's problem, isn't it? Just shoehorning everyone into their own positions, trying and get, as Tony says, like the best 11 players on the park. Football doesn't always work like that. And mm. he's even done it with Encham as well, putting Encham in the kind of cam role. That's not Encham's best position either, so he's been hung uh, out as well. Maybe that's why so many players are kind of maybe unhappy with Neil Lennon. Because I've seen on Twitter folks saying uh, Cam's done basically that's had three games now and he's natural position. Like, oh, Scott Brown's in his natural position. <laughs> Pretty much I the fringes. on in Cham, that was my next point I was going to bring up. There was a, a few players for me that got pass marks in this, and Cham was one of them in this game. Uh Carl McGregor was the other one and El Yunusi. On another day El Yunusi scores a, a hat trick in this game, let's be honest. You know, no. it was he was quite unlucky in a, a couple of times. I thought in Cham just looked, like I say, he wasn't in the, the right position that he, he should have been in for, you know, people say, oh, that's his natural position. He's not been playing. He's natural position. His natural position is probably dropping back one more and having somebody in front of him that he can pick out and kind of get in behind defences. So that's in Cham's position for me. His na- natural position is get a fucking somebody's daft playing centre of the park. Well, exactly, and that's another one we'll come on to as well. Well, watching a fucking skeleton try to run out at the park, the man is getting beat with pace every two seconds. Tony Tony is alluding to the captain, Uh, Scott Brown. I'm sorry, but I've I've lost the heat. (laughs) (laughs) I've just seen red. I can't stop swearing on this podcast. We'll talk about Scott Brown Brown then, because Scott, we were... You weren't with us watching this game. We were we were texting at the time. And I think all of us at the same time were, it, we must have sent the same message going, Scott Brown, what are you doing? He's just getting in the road, but he's no longer breaking up the play. As Tony says, it's like an old man, like he's slowing everything down. He's just getting in the way constantly. I know you said that you would give Callum McGregor pass marks and I'm not going to be too harsh on McGregor. I wouldn't give McGregor fast once McGregor had one of his poorest games. I don't. I don't mean a great game. I don't mean a great game. I just mean it, it was. It was okay. It was the dreadful. <laughs> I think the reason for McGregor having a poor game though was specifically because Scott Brown is getting in his road. Like he's, we should drop McGregor back to centre defensive mid. Let him kind of control the play. Play it that way. Brown at this European level, he was horrendous against Kluge as well. Like he's just. Like there isn't a point where it is going to come. You're 35 year old. Like no other team will play. Like Scott Brown played every single game in the past week for us, uh, 90 minutes every time. What other team plays a 35 year old like that in every position? And we'll just forget about it because in two weeks' time we'll probably laugh in a Ross County's player's face and everyone thinks, "Oh, he's a hero again." But no, he's not. His time has come to remove Scott Brown for this team, not remove him for the squad altogether, but just take him out of the team and get McGregor in that role. Like we said this against the PSG game, the friend, albeit it was a friendly, but he was left out because the pace of the game was just too much for him. And, and it's it's not been harsh on him. It's just a simple fact that at thirty five years old, he's not going to be quicker than an eighteen year old on the ball. Are we being too are we being too harsh though if we compare to previous seasons? We we've had this the last maybe three or four seasons where we've we've had the whole Scott Brown's done chat and then five or six weeks later he becomes one of our better players. We're only a couple of weeks into, into the season. We've only played a few games really um, after a, a five or whatever month layoff that we had due to the, 
due to COVID and that. Like, mm-hmm. are we being quite harsh on? Is it maybe going to take him a couple of more games to get himself up and running? I, I, I agree. I'm going to probably contradict myself here a wee bit by saying we shouldn't then be risking him in these crucial games. But in terms of him being on form, Scott, are we being a wee bit too premature again to, to write him off this season? I think now, we, but we have got better players that are ready to step in and take his place. We've got McGregor, we've got Cham, and Cham's probably one of those to the other ones who wants to leave as well. And I'm not surprised about that because he's looking at Scott Brown thinking, Job for the boys, like Lennon's just going to pick his mate all the time. What's the point of me being here? We've also signed Turnbull. Sorrow, not played a single minute. Look at Connell, Henderson, they looked quite promising. Robertson in pre-season. These guys aren't even getting a look in because we just keep slogging this guy out time and time again. I'm not saying for one minute we get rid of Scott Brown, we dispatch him from the squad altogether. But you should not be a regular starter. We'll move on to your, your dad and hero then. No, 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 no. I've got something I want to say first. Jay Z's in the building. What do you want to talk about? I've been waiting for this moment. I can't believe it. the fact is that you've even forgot he's on the part probably sums him up. James Forrest. I will not I will not miss this fucking idiot. Right, I'm totally, totally done with this guy. And I knew I knew he was going to score against Motherwell. I just knew he was going to score against right, Motherwell. Right, hold on, right, hold on. Build this you now. Go. <laughs> I knew he was going to score against Motherwell and take away my whole anger about this guy. But he's doing it time and time again to me. As I said about Christie. I, I wouldn't come on this podcast and slide Christie because Christie doesn't hide. James Forrest hides on a football pitch when the tough gets going and that is one of the worst <laughs> ever do. <laughs> what are you... When the tough gets going? He's going for fucking Jay-Z to Billy Ocean. This happens time and time again with this guy. Like, when we're in a tough game, he goes missing. He doesn't want to know. He doesn't look for the ball. He left Frown Pong hung out to dry against Rangers in the game at New York. It's a hard not life, isn't it? <laughs> Aye, exactly. He run, he, he, I watch him, right, and I think he runs behind defenders, right, and so he can't get the ball. That's, I think, honestly think he does that. I think he runs behind defenders so he doesn't get the ball. I, I, get, your, I get your point, Scott, about, about James Forrest. The, the only thing I disagree with, and this is a, a thing that we, we say all the time about James Forrest hiding in big games, and you gave an example there of him running behind defenders so he can't get the ball. I don't even think that's it. I think he just doesn't, see when it's a tough game, he doesn't know in himself how to change what he's doing. He's very robotic, and if it's not working, he can't change it, but he keeps doing it. Over- but, you know, he's, he's, a, he's a typical winger. See if Forrest doesn't beat his guy in the first minute, he's not going to beat him for the rest of the game. Mm-hmm. You can tell how Forrest is going to play, usually within about five minutes of a game. Scott Sinclair get absolutely hounded. For us in the last couple of years, because yep, Scott Sinclair went a bit off the ball, but he was hounded. James Forrest's record is pretty similar to him. He goes months and months of the season where he goes missing. He does sometimes hit purple patches, and I knew I knew he was going to score against Motherwell. I just knew, but Motherwell are shite. Like I'm going to be honest with that. This is another big game, but we needed him, and he didn't step up to the plate. That was his first goal for Motherwell against Motherwell in about 15 games. That's correct. There you go. I'm certain that's good, but like I said about the unselfish runs, he does that just to take himself out of the equation of the game, and he always leaves the fullback just, right mate, you go beat two players now, I'm done this game. He's a professional shitbag, and to be honest, I think we can do a lot better against Forrest than that right wing. I have to admit, I, I, I disagree to an extent when you're saying about James Forrest being, being done. Like, he, he's probably the most frustrating player at Celtic for me, because you know... You know what he can do when he's firing all cylinders. You, you know what he's got in his locker. The problem I've got is he doesn't show it enough just now. But we've got very short memories because it wasn't that long ago he was a star player for us. He was brilliant. I don't, I don't think he's done. I think I'm just done with him. Like, <laughs> I don't know what it is. I, I'm just left frustrated all the time because I know there's a good player in there. We've seen it against Bayern Munich. We haven't killed McGregor when we're running the show. But... There's too many games in between that where he's just invisible and he's posted missing every single time. Like, we always say it, James Forrest is at his best when he has competition on the right wing. So far, his competition is a wing-back in Karamoko Dembele. His position is secure every week and no matter what he puts in that park, he's always guaranteed a start. There's too many favourites that Lennon's got and Forrest is number one on top of the list. He's not been playing well for months now. 
and uh, he did lose his place against United, but that was a straight back in on Saturday, and it comes down to the board as well that, that we haven't actually went out and bought a right winger that we've been screaming about doing for the past few weeks. And again, we've went into this qualifier. Look, we should we should have been beating this team, and right, totally the the buck lies when you're winning. Of course, it does, but the board has got a major part to play in this as well, and they're not getting off scot free with it. Faces. Lowell talks about all his records and selling all these players and selling on, but we, we've been a failure. Like in Europe, for a European club standard, we have been a failure now for the past six seasons. We've been, look at you, compare us, we're meant to be compared to like an Ajax model. We're nothing like that. Like we've went and won nine in a row, but let's be honest, nine in a row was a bare minimum that we should have won. Rangers were not in the league. They've only just come back in recent seasons. Our resources are much, much higher than Rangers. And we need to be a European club because there's a lot of people at the I think, us included, I'm questioning that season where my money's going and whether I'm going to renew my season ticket because after 10 in a row, what else is left out for us? If we're going to be after 10 in a row and all we want to do is just keep winning leagues in Scotland, that's not going to wash. Like We need to be trying to be more ambitious in Europe, making better signings, putting, just not even, just putting ourselves in a position with these qualifiers, with a team intact, like new players in at the club, and then the manager actually coming out and playing the players. Like we had Julian and Bowley last time against Kluge, it didn't even play. And Lennon obviously said again, match fitness. A Yeti was match fitness. Just get the players signed early enough. We know when these qualifiers are going to be. And just we just seem so underprepared every single season. I'm like, it's like a broken record. It's just penny pinching from the board every year. I don't know what it is, but we're the only fan base that gets a fucking stone over a bank balance as nails. It's like when you go to the bank machine, get the mini statement, and go, oh, fuck me, that guy had two grand in his bank. That boy's doing well for himself. It doesn't fucking matter. See, unless we use that money and invest in the team. Shane Duffy, how long have we known about Shane Duffy? Because we knew Yosa wasn't getting signed on our contract back in January. So when did we start scouting Shane Duffy? Was it the past two months when he became available? Maybe. But this should be done back in January. Should we get a recruitment in place, scouting in place? But I know for a fact that is not happening. They do it every season. After we get put out of the Champions League qualifiers, they'll react. So they'll go and sign a Shane Duffy a week later. We did it last year when we signed El Yunusi and we signed Foster. We're in Turnbull the next fucking day. Uh-huh. Sign the players before these. These are our most important games of the season. Sign the players before these games come in. And it's not as if players like Duffy are... Duffy's been sitting there and they've been sitting there not getting a game for their teams. They've been sitting there readily available to come in and play and for some reason we fanny about, we keep them waiting in fucking Marhall Hotel so we can announce them at specific times and all that. Like, it's just a total joke, we're a shambles. Do you think next season, once we either do or we don't do the 10, the, you were saying, Scott, about your renewing your season ticket next year and you're wondering where your money's going to go and stuff like that. Do you reckon once 10 in a row is either like confirmed or we, or we fuck it, like our focus will shift more onto to Europe and we'll start investing more and kind of trying to progress in that way because we've done the holy grail then, you know, if we lose the league, fine. You know what I mean? Like it's no, nobody's really going to care on, on the 11th season uh, on the grand scheme of things because we've done 10 in a row, we've got the bragging rights and that's it completed now. So do you think that they'll then shift their, their view Tony on the kind of European stuff at that point I really doubt it because there's one man at that club who since he came in has just had no interest in pushing forward in Europe and it's Peter Lobel Thank this you. stems back to the last we sold and we replaced him at Oni Kamara it's Thank subpar players replacing I fucking hope not because it's subpar players replacing top quality talent every time Mr Dembele left right who was the replacement after Eddie <laughs> Bio. Eddie took the place and then it goes straight with one striker let's bring in Bio that was another 3 million by the way to piss against the wall you, you like Bio though you're a Bio fan aye there's no fucking point man. it's even to lose scoring goals for them well that, that was another thing as well Bio got his all I think we're doing is fucking losing at home he's ha- he's, uh, <laughs> his debut for, for Toulouse all day and he scores 2 goals granted they could beat 5-3 so he was in a losing team but he still scored yeah. 2 goals every clue in that aye exactly Scott what do you think Jack would kind of been held back by the, the 10 in a row Right, so it's totally it's totally holding us back because there's so many fans who justify a result by that by saying, oh, it doesn't matter as long as we win the league. And they are kind of right to an extent because at the end of this season, if we do win the league, like we're all going to be happy and it'll be like an unbelievable feeling because it will be 
the first time that's ever happened. But as I've said before, the minimum nine leagues should have been one minimum and we should be winning the league this season pretty comfortably. We've got a much bigger budget and Rangers are spending more money than them. We should be looking to win this league, but Europe, we're going absolutely nowhere. And I, yeah, I tend to know at this point it is holding us back. Like It definitely is. And after after we get this season out of the way, we need to, we need to be planning more for Europe because fans are not going to renew in the numbers as I've just stated because 10 in a row isn't there. 10 in a row is the reason this season why loads of people renewed their season tickets because we're not even going to get to go to games basically for a long time to come still. Yeah, I think that people backed their money because it was a 10 in a row season. This is a season where, right, if you're going to be penny pension for nine years, but this was a season to go and throw your money at it. There is still time to do it now. <laughs> But it's too late for Europe, and that's where we want to be competing. Europe players don't sign for Celtic to win 10 in a row. Edward, sorry, like Edward and Cham, they're not really bored about 10 in a row. To see going out of the Champions League, that's a blow. But see if we were to lose in the Europa League and have no European football, there could be a mass exodus of players wanting to leave, and you couldn't, you couldn't blame them. Do you know what my, my problem with that is? I think I made the point to you the other day about um, and Cham and Ayer their agents looking for valuations for them to, to leave the club, whether that's true or not. But say it is true. The problem I've got with that is you were part of the fucking team that get put out. Like I, I don't understand how somebody can go, oh, no, fuck this. I'm not staying here for the Champions League football. You were the fucking one that we blame. Like, I was at fault for one of the goals <laughs> that, that put us out. So I'm like, how? I don't understand that logic. I don't understand how you can think that they're, they're above this when one of them was actually to blame for us going out. Footballers, mate, they're, they're entitled, aren't they? And I, I Van Dijk did the exact same. Van Dijk missed a sitter against Maribor years ago that would have kept us in the Champions League and then the next day came out and said, hand over a transfer request. So, mm. that's just footballers for you, mate. It is, but it's just, it's a bit shite. But, um, right, Tony, we'll, we'll move on because we've got two games to to review. Now. So, we'll get you your dud and your hero for this game. We'll start with the hero. For Who would you pick of anybody? A hero for a game we get beaten uh, the fans for blind fucking loyalty I think my hero for the game has got to be uh, the fans for just trying to fucking log on to the actual stream of the game <laughs> that was a shit show wasn't it that was the, that was the hardest bit of work any Celtic players done that fucking game man honest god Where's I think we sat for 20 minutes we sat for 20 minutes putting in more graft than the fucking players did the whole game <laughs> and what about your, your dud then take your pick every fucking one of them and Neil Lennon <laughs> Every single one of them. Um, I think Neil Lennon has to take it though, purely because of the fact that I think on the night he got his team completely wrong. And to wait to the last 13 minutes to bring on a striker after two went down, it's uh, it's just not good enough. So the next day, then we we wake up to the news that David Turnbull has eventually signed for Celtic. 14 months after they apparently already signed for us. Um, I haven't seen the wee video that they've done this time or they maybe just try to rehash the old one and get a, a new tap on them for this one. Um, yeah, they have on it so you don't need to watch it. True, true. Um, Scott, David Turnbull, what you, would you make of that signing? I am happy with it. Signing a young Scottish talent, uh, three million seems a, a decent deal. Kind of, obviously, wish we'd maybe done it a bit earlier but we've already kind of talked about that not getting a business done early enough but no. I'm really happy with it. Seems to have, uh, he seems to be well liked by everyone kind of in the media and a lot of kind of fellow players. So that tells me a lot about him. Uh, hopefully now his fitness issues are behind him. I mean, it does look like I think we've said before that is probably a bit of a downgrade. Maybe because we're going to get we could get we're going to get rid of Rogage. It looks like maybe in Cham as well. But yeah, I'm happy with Turnbull, especially in SPFL games. I'd like to see him come in. I think he's an all-round midfielder which we're kind of lacking at the moment. So you see how you kind of put and Cham in at attack mid. I think he struggles to play in that role. I think we've, and we've got McGregor. We've got midfielders that need to play specific positions like within the midfield, whereas I think Turnbull, when he's in the centre of the park, he could, he could kind of sort of play a brown role. He's a kind of box-to-box midfielder, which we are kind of missing. So I told you, David Turnbull, what's, uh, what's your thoughts on that, that signing? I'm very happy with that. Um, he also had a good career with Motherwell. Unfortunately, that injury kind of held him back a wee bit. But um, I think it's the way it should be done. Celtic should be going through the league and taking the best talent from the big team and just getting the first dibs of these players, essentially. Uh, um, to clean up a wee point I made earlier on about Peter Lowell and just Celtic's sort of transfer business, um, 
I'm happy with David Tumble coming in as long as it's not in the place of the champ. I don't think he's in that sort of mode where he can just step in and take over champ's role. I don't want to be seeing Celtic sort of just downsizing the squad and just replacing with a talent that isn't quite on par yet. But hopefully he can come good and hopefully he's got a promising career. I made the point previously that I thought Turnbull should be a signing that we make regardless of what happens with and Cham or Rogic. So if we bring in and Cham, we should still be replacing. Oh, sorry, if we bring in Turnbull, we should still be replacing and Cham. If he goes, that's not the replacement for me. But hopefully he comes good. You know, he's he's a decent player. We've seen mm-hmm. we've seen bits of him against us. We've seen bits of him on on sports scene and stuff like that. So we know what he can do on his on his day with, with Motherwell. Um, yeah, and Cham, they've got a riot in their hands. Exactly, exactly. Well, I called Nelene um, as well, though. He's, he's not afraid to have a shot for what he's in training. Still not afraid of midfield to get more goals, so perfect. Definitely. So uh, so we get David Turnbull from Motherwell, and who are we playing on Sunday? Motherwell. We've got Motherwell at home. <laughs> um, made the point, Scott, earlier on, you were saying about Lennon, um, with his team selection and opening a can of worms. He slaughtered the team. He said, if you want to go, go. Uh, we can assume that was aimed at Ayer and Cham, you know, guys are this kind of, this kind of, but you would initially think wholesale changes the weekend is going to change the team. They're all going to get dropped. Uh, no, same team, <laughs> same starting lineup, Scott. What do you, you make of that decision? Uh, well, on after Wednesday, when he just did his total Gerard and his total deflection tactics, he'd, like, I carry the can for this and then threw them immediately under the bus. Uh, blamed all the players for it and then two days later comes out backtracking saying no no we need them to, need them to settle down like he just talks so much nonsense in his press conferences and I, I wasn't really surprised in the team seeing the team selection like he's just so stubborn he's doubled down on it he said again his press conference on Friday like Christie scored the goal on Wednesday so that means I was right basically is what he was saying and so then doubles down on it, goes in again and he thinks, because he's just thinking, right, I'll play the same team, we'll probably beat Motherwell because Motherwell aren't very good and then it'll look as if I'm justified and I'm a great manager again. Just mm-hmm. doesn't work like that, just so stubborn from him. So we get a better performance though overall um, in this game, but the the first half was a bit, it was kind of along the same lines in the midweek game, Tony, wasn't it? Uh, mate, nothing happened in the first half at all. Like, you're sitting watching the game, you're like, we need to do something here. Brian Christie's the striker again, which he comes too deep. There's no creativity in the game. And see, I watch it, I don't know what it is. It's, it's, it's like a B&B or something, mate. It'll just need energy about the place. It's just fucking, fuck am I talking about a B&B for? <laughs> a B&B? Are you comparing mate. Ryan Christie's performance to a B&B? Well, a B&B, mate. I don't even know that fucking means at all, to be honest with you. Bold and bold. Right, exactly, mate. But <laughs> honestly, fuck, I need to start that again. I'm still thinking about Fred and Barros game. He's gone completely. But the whole point I'm trying to mean is like there was just no drive or energy about the team. It just felt so first gear pedestrian. I, I don't know how to describe it any other way than B and B. Unfortunately, <laughs> the the first half then it was it was very very B and B. Very B&B the first half. You were talking about kind of creativity and stuff like that as well, Tony, but kind of lacking. But we did get a bit of creativity in the first half uh, from Carl McGregor. He mm. picks the ball up on the edge of his own box near enough, drives forward at the Marable team. He, he gets past two or three of them, cuts inside, plays a lovely ball to James Forrest, um, who scores a cracker a goal as well. Um, that's what we need. That's what we're looking for. We're looking for Aye. us to drive at teams like Motherwell. Um, Scott, you would have been delighted to see James Forrest getting on the, the score sheet here or not? Absolutely not. Uh, <laughs> no, uh, uh, it was good for me. Great play for McGregor because the, the first 40 minutes was, let's be honest, it was woeful. Like, I was bored watching it. Uh, get no reaction out of the players. There was no reaction to it. It's the same team again. Dead pedestrian. Never really got started. But yet, McGregor creates the goal. It all comes from McGregor and for once, I mean, take note here, I'm about to give James Forrest some bit of credit, so people that Forrest fans can lay off my back, but it was a, no, it was a good finish from Forrest, and he has got that in his locker, like, he never uses his left foot, but when he does, he always uses outside his right foot, and he is a really good finisher, so I'll give Forrest credit for that, and we really needed that goal, so it came at a really important time. I don't think you're going to actually downplay McGregor's part in this goal, he, he's took the ball and ran about 40 yards, and he's actually done something amazing in the first half that no other player was willing to do and that was beat a fucking man 
But as soon as he does that though, he beats one or two men, it commits the defenders and sucks them out and gives James Forrest that space that he needs. And honestly, God, it's, a, it's an absolute lovely first finish for James Forrest. Uh, we're, uh, we're crying out for a, a striker then midweek. Um, and we're crying out for a striker in this game as well. We'll eventually get it in the mm. form of old Polish paddy. Clamala comes on at half time. Um, quite strange to see Selic making a sub like that at half time. Um, but he made the difference, Scott, didn't he? Uh, I mean, it's not exactly rocket science. Uh, we put a striker on the park and it does make a difference. It's not, wasn't just so much bringing on a striker, like it wasn't a light for light change. Somebody was Christy, it was the fact that we went to we went to three five two. That was for me what brought the real difference in the game. I thought Kamala did really, really well. Uh, he kinda of put himself about he, Motherwell players actually had somebody to worry about, which which they didn't have in the first half. Uh, I thought obviously we'll probably come on and talk about it. He was quite unlucky with the with his two chances, I thought, but I never really had much confidence in him going through in that sort of scenario. He sort of reminds me a wee bit I mean, don't laugh, but he reminds me a wee bit of like Kenny Miller. What an arsehole. <laughs> Just like Kenny Miller. Fuck off. He's a Kenny Miller. Kenny Miller with his No, but just the way he's fucking staying tan. Just the way he gets himself eh, about the park. He's kind of he's got a lot of energy. He buzzes about. Gets <sighs> himself in good positions. He's like a real workhorse, but kind of similar to Miller. He kind of lacks that sort of finish, like when he was going so, through. So what I'm here then is. Six months time will beat Rangers in scoring goals against us every fucking game he plays. Brilliant. Aye, probably because Lennon will be playing. And they'll still play. <laughs> they'll still play goal music for it when it's five London. I never had to get a match for it. When that one, when he was kind of running through and goal, you just kind of you compare it to Yeti. I just never had that kind of confidence in him that he was going to put that in the back of the net. And I feel really sorry for him because I was desperate for him to get a goal. You can tell how keen he is. And how hard he's worked. That's the thing, though. That is, I know. He was making good runs in the game when he came on, and it just gave us that focal point up top that gave them a little back line a bit of trouble. Like, you see that for his first sitter. That's not the way to put it, it was a sitter. But he misses from like 20 millimetres out in the goal line. It's, it's hard to miss him, but to, uh, in fairness. Give him a break. That wasn't uh, that, was that bad. That, that, was a good, that was a good bit of defending. If Julian done that, we'd be screaming that he was outstanding. The, the uh, defender uh, got a good touch to it and took it away from him. In fairness, it'll give him that one, maybe a wee half mark stuff. But as soon as he came on, you've seen that instant impact that having a strike at the top of the park, just giving the defence something to worry about when it does. And to be honest, that's what should have happened against Ben Navarro. She should have went with an actual recognised striker who can play off the last man and make intelligent runs. It just shows us that we're that is what we were lacking in that game. But uh, mm-hmm. we get the we get the second the second striker on. Um Albina Yeti comes on um on the seventy first minute, scores yeah. three minutes later, great finish. Um good bit of play for Ayer as well, Scott. Yeah, I keep going on about how good Ayer is at this sort of SPFL level, the fact he runs, breaks out from defences and they don't the problem is with the teams like Motherwell, they don't really know how to cope with kind of runner out from defence. Brilliant ball for Christie as well to start the move as well. I thought he did really well for that. Uh, and great finish from Ayeti. He sort of reminds me, I've talked about Kamala and Kenny Miller, but uh, Ayeti, he reminds me more of like a Gary Hooper, like a sort of poacher type guy. And this has become like an episode of Who Do You Think You Are? Like what, fucking what flashback a, central. What a strike force that is. <laughs> no, Lennon's getting the old gang back together. Uh, Can I just put in and see this now? See, so as um, the Celtic dad of this podcast, can I just say, I'll be Nettie, Burst <laughs> uh, right, I'm sorry I had to get it in my system but I will see that every week when it scores mate that was honking that was one of the worst bits of patter I think I've ever heard in my life shocking shocking for you but, uh, I know shocking I, I, yeah you know decent finish decent finish for him um, it's, it's the opposite for Kamala you, you felt confident when he got the ball granted he was just to, in the middle of the box but you were never you were never thinking he's going to miss this day. nah that's the best thing about Ayeti. It seems that he's got just natural talent. He may not be able to match sharpness fair enough, but when you got got that ball, you know exactly where it's going in the back of the net. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, Kamala, it just seems that yes, he will give you hundred percent. He'll run about, run a, do what he has to do, the dirty work side of the game. But I just think he's lacking natural talent, and I don't think the line actually favours him. That's how he didn't actually start this game, which is quite worrying. Scott, I've seen quite a bit on, on Twitter. P- 
people kind of slating. I get he's saying that he's mince and he's not up to scratch and blah, blah, blah. He's played 66 minutes of football for Celtic and scored two goals. So that's a no bad return for a guy who is, is pish mm. and well off the pace, isn't it? Oh, you can't, you can't argue it. And that's what frustrates me again from from Wednesday night that he didn't even give a Yeti 60 minutes. Like He does some does look when he's come on a few times as if he has torn a caravan. You can tell there is a lot of fitness issues there. Like I don't think Lennon's, Lennon isn't making that up. We've already made the point when we should have brought him in uh, a month earlier and got him up to speed. We didn't do that. Uh, but I like, like I would have liked to have seen him play 60 minutes uh, on Wednesday but he comes on against Motherwell really makes that difference he looks like a poachers type player and if mm. I'm fed up with feeding myself but I'm just going to keep saying it and the off chance that Neil Lennon is lasting but keep play a 3-5-2 three, three, because we've got a Yeti in there he could be like a poacher type player we've got Edward to come back and fit he can kind of suck around him and I'm really really looking forward to seeing their partnership Let's go three five two. There we go. Name of the pod. Sorted. Sorted for this week. Easy um, as that, boys. See, we've been been saying for a while about this kind of three five two formation. Um, mm-hmm. I'm really excited to see a fully fit Ayeti up top with Edward. I reckon oh. Ayeti playing more forward. Eddie just doing what he does in behind him. I reckon it will be frightening. Mate, it'll be solid material. Like, it'll be fantastic. We see it with Dembele and Edward for the first game against Standard Blues, how well it worked that partnership. I think that was the best game of my life, that game. That right. was, mate, fantastic. But see if we can actually just recreate what we had that day and get it over a season. It'll be fucking sensational and 10 in a row has got to be in the bag. So another guy that comes on then uh, makes a, a massive impact is Jeremy Frimpong. Comes on, plays at his natural right-back position, but he was almost kind of right-wing-back in this one, Tony. Uh, what did you make his performance? Oh, mate, he's actually sensational. Um, Jeremy Frimpong, a lovely wee guy. Um, that's just what happens. Like, see, Jeremy Frimpong, he's, he's got natural pace over like 10, 15 yards. I generally think he could have a cheater, no problem. But I swear to God, mate, Jerry Frankpong is that quick. He can turn the light off, get in bed for the room, even get stuck. He's fucking unreal. And you see that during the whole game that he kept constantly giving the Motherwell players uh, trouble just with his pace, just getting by them all the time. The one thing I would say about him though, I just wish he was a bit more selfish in front of goal and could just fire that ball across goal, cross keeper and just try working that training hopefully. But honestly, oh my days, what a player he is. Tracking his actual running in the 80th minute because apparently according to Lynn, he's not disputing it. 
takes them too long to get up to speed at the start of the season. I think we know fine well that that was bullshit. That was just an excuse for a shit game. Like, there's nothing wrong. Not around with Julian's fitness. As you say, wins a ball, follows his run from from his own box, and Mm -hmm. eventually he kind of slot away the slot away from Pong's pass. But aye, comfortable game on the whole, boys. It was a fairly straightforward. We'll we'll move on quickly then, Tony, to your your dud and your hero for this one. Uh, so I, my hero for this week, I didn't get to Cal McGregor. He covered every blade of grass. He was sensational. He was just dictating play. And his assist for Forrest was honestly sensational. It opened up the game completely and it changed the momentum towards Celtic's favour. So I didn't get to Cal McGregor. And uh, my dud for this week... Uh, can I just intervene here? Uh, the dud for this week is Gordon Stratton. Fuck I. <laughs> yes, yes. £625 and we had to listen to this guy pre-match, totally patronises. Basically calling all fans that are on Twitter idiots and saying Lennon was totally right. He was a ball <laughs> here away from calling his old Neds again. Like That's how it felt watching it before it. And at half time, he doubled down on it, despite the first half mm-hmm. being a bit shocking. He doubled down on it and then he just started talking about Liverpool and Man City he just gets things in his head where he just starts talking about they make no sense he was then comparing Ryan Christie to Roberto Firmino so now comparing us <laughs> to probably the best team well Liverpool the best team on the planet and saying that all oh, this Celtic system's working that way and all the best teams don't play with it and out and out forward anymore like just talking absolute rubbish man like totally patronising us like and all I want to know is like where's Chris Sutton like we were told we were going to get top of the range media coverage but to me it's just Celtic TV some transfers then we've already touched on David Turnbull earlier on um, I don't need to get into that one that one again because we spoke about it in detail um, the news today is that we will be signing Shane Duffy on a season long loan uh, the Brighton Bomber no Aye. over the moon that's saying to be honest with me um, he's just a no nonsense defender he'll come in and hopefully he'll start in this 3-5-2 he'll come out of the middle of that defence and I think he'll just help talk Aya and Julian through the game, especially Aya, the now. Seems to be a bit rash in his decision-making uh, at the back. And, this, and Julian can be quite suspect as well. So hopefully him coming in there. The Irish captain as well. So if Scott Brown does take a wee seat on the bench, we've got a person at the back that we can hopefully rely on to marshal the team through the game and give us a wee bit of vocal presence as well. Scott, I said before, it's um, it's good to have somebody in. We always talk about Celtic fans with this kind of fantasy of like a Celtic guy coming in, like a Celtic fan, um, a guy who gets it. But we always seem to get landed by the ones who are like subpar. But it seems like now, Johnny Hayes, it seems like now though we're getting a guy who is a, a big Celtic man. He totally gets what's happening in this season, but he's also got the ability to match it as well. Nah, he's bringing in that Premier League experience. He's kind of well-rated down at Brighton. And I 100% agree with what Tony says. Uh, I'm a big fan of, of Ayer and Julian. I really like what they're bringing, uh, especially in SPFL games, kind of, especially Ayer coming out of the back. I think uh, Julian as well has been talking Ayer through games, but this is giving them an extra dimension, especially in Europe. We're going to go 3-5-2. I think we're, we really do need a no-nonsense centre-half. Julian and I on either side and hopefully Duffy can bring on their game as well it's only a, a season long loan he's up to up here to try and win as a 10 and as you say I know it's, it's kind of cringy to say it but he, does, he will get what it means and if the times are getting tough it's always good to have a player like that out there so yeah I'm really looking forward to Duffy coming in and hopefully he's going to be a solid addition for us I'm pretty sure it was uh, by uncle as well in the season as well. Was it four and a half million? Is that correct? I've seen that. It was a, apparently a 1.5 million loan fee with a, a 4.5 mm-hmm. add on at the end to make it permanent. Uh, I don't know how true the, the second bit is. I've only seen that reported a, a couple of times. Um, it's not been the kind of main, main news. So it might be, it might uh, be rubbish. But um, I 1.5 million apparently loan fee for him. I think that's fine. Um, oh, well, must be drinking during the, during the week again, man, because he keeps doing these mental deals, doesn't he? I, I heard apparently <laughs> um, it was it was Dermot that had done this one. Apparently they had to go to him to get like extra cash for this one because it was like kind of breaking the bank a bit in terms of wages and stuff. Dave King must have been singing the session at him again, so he must be really annoyed now. So. <laughs> I must admit, I'm surprised they intervened when, when Rangers chairman annoy him, so... <laughs> Surprised by Ron Stewart didn't actually fund this one after he's fucking play on Twitter. Aye, what a fucking hostage video holding up that wee sign. 
Right, so boys, that's us uh, finishing up for international break now. It's fucking depressing getting an international break in it. Okay, I mean, it's just, a, just another excuse for Celtic players to get to get injured. And to be honest, the way things are going through this pandemic, you think we'd have sort of scrapped these games, but it's not to be. I know, this, this happens every season, innit? You get in, you get three or four games into a season, you're getting really right into it, looking forward to getting more games out of the way, and then every time there just seems to be an international break, and even this year it's happened again. It's not even an important like, playoff game for Scotland, it's like that stupid Nations League thing again, and uh, I just it's not really come at a good time for us, but yeah, hopefully we can get Duffy in, maybe, hopefully a left-back as well by the time we play Ross County and get working, actually get the players on the training ground, the people that are still there, and get them, get working on that 3-5-2. And I can watch at least all of my, my bullies running out the fucking pitch with his ankle socks on. Oh, well, he's not playing, mate, he pulled it. Oh, really? How come? Uh, he apparently pulled out with a, a foot injury that hadn't healed in time. That was, what, that was what they said yesterday at uh, the Scotland press conference. That's weird, man. Uh, but guess who played, play- played today for Sheffield United? Going to go all in my burnie. All in my burnie played for Sheffield United. It's strange, man, because he's been playing with a fucking brain injury for the past, what, 24 years of his life? The boy's an absolute idiot. Let's go 55, still waiting, mate. Uh, I've so many of his tweets saved in my draft for when oh. we win the 10, and I'll be coming. I'm coming. Him. I'm coming for him, man. I'm gunning for that boy. So, next game for, for Celtic, then, when we're ready to Ross County, um, you've got your, your checkbook out for that one, boys, 15 quid. What you spend on that one to watch it? What are you talking about? Uh, it's the first weekend of the Premier League, so Sky, our main sponsors, are not really interested in Scottish football again, so game's not on. Serious? You're off count, you're 15 quid. We actually need to get on 15 quid to watch this game. Have you not seen this? No. Because there's no one Sky, so Ross County... Wait, I'm, a key, making... I'm a key worker. I don't, I don't have time to go on Twitter during the day. You're fucking in a group chat enough during the day. Aye, but yeah, it's Get breaks in that day. <laughs> no, um, I've not seen this at all. So apparently, like Scott said, but it's not going to be on telly this one. And obviously, Celtic games are normally on telly mm-hmm. um, when we're away from home. But we can't watch this one because the Premier League starting that weekend. So we need to we need to get a subscription for for one game for Ross County TV. So and Ross County TV basically. So they've had four subscriptions to it, and they want to charge us the money that they recoup for putting up the stream service. Fuck off! By the way, correct. And we need to pay for the St Mirren game four days later. Oh, for fuck's sake, what a double whammy. <laughs> and Sky up on the, the Caravan Cup or whatever it's called instead. So, uh, so I need to pay 30 quid to sit and watch a game in my house after right. I paid six and a plus quid to watch it already? Nah, uh, totally. Both bowling goalies done St Mirren are turning the end of a fortune. Illegal streams, mate. Illegal streams. Aye, fuck it, I'm watching this in his goal. <laughs> Right, so boys, we'll be we'll be back then. We might come back next week. We'll see. We'll see if anything decent happens to Celtic worth talking about during during mm-hmm. international break. Um, if not, we'll we'll do a show the following week anyway. Um, Scott, see you later, mate. See you later, mate. Low well out. Tony, catch. See you after, mate. Here we go.